Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of The Art of Badassery. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and today we have an extraordinary guest who epitomizes the essence of being a true badass. Joining me today is Kimberly Rivando Robb, a visionary CEO and founder of the creative powerhouse Retroscripts. But her journey to success wasn't a straightforward path. It was a wild ride fueled by dreams and a thirst for adventure. Growing up in the 90s, Kimberly's imagination knew no bounds as she dreamed of being a race car driver, an author, a writer for National Geographic, an actress, and even more. Her small town roots in Milton inspired her to pursue a life of freedom and happiness that she has undoubtedly achieved in her unique way. Now based in the picturesque Crystal Beach, Ontario, Kimberly's boundless creativity and determination led her to establish a thriving writing and creative business, Retroscripts. Under that umbrella, she has Retroscripts Writes and Retroscripts Creates. But it's her approach to life that sets her apart and truly makes her a badass. Kimberly fearlessly embraces her demons, keeping them on a leash as her trusted companions, empowering her to face challenges head on with a resounding fuck it, let's do it attitude. Kimberly's story is about resilience, tenacity, and embracing the unconventional. Beyond her business acumen, she finds joy in reading, gardening, and spending quality time with her loved ones, allowing her imagination to roam freely and unbridled. Throughout this episode, we'll dive deep into Kimberly's journey, exploring her lessons, the hurdles she's overcome, and the unwavering determination that propels her forward. Get ready to be inspired, peeps, to be motivated and encouraged to unleash your inner badass, as we learn from the woman who knows that being fearless doesn't mean being without fear, but feeling it and doing it anyway. So let's welcome my guest, Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, most of you won't know this, but the very first time I was on a podcast, I was on her podcast. You were? It's a little surreal having the tables turned two years later. I think it's been two years since I was first on your podcast. So welcome, welcome. As you know, Kimberly, this podcast is all about talking through and about what we feel has led us to, to be badass. I want everybody out there to know that they probably already are badass, even if they don't think it. So earlier we were talking about your upbringing. Can we go back to one of the biggest reasons that you feel you have developed into the woman that you are today? You mentioned that you were the only black family in Milton and that it had a profound effect on you. Can we talk about that for a bit? Definitely. Um, first of all, I believe that everybody has these badass qualities and these badass powers that we bring in, bring out when we're speaking to other people. But I think that there's a moment where you look back on where you came from. For me, it was growing up in Milton as one of the only black families and where the strength came from to be a true badass. And for me, it was being 
seen but unseen at the same time. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I didn't realize that I was black until I was in third grade, which when I tell a lot of people, they're like, okay, wait, didn't you look in a mirror? And I did. But as kids, you don't really notice that you're different from anyone else. But it was when I was in third grade, I started noticing people treating me differently, mostly adults, but kids too. So I was bullied relentlessly. Half the time, I didn't even realize I was being bullied um, by the little side remarks that people would say. But there was one girl, I won't tell you her name, but she would uh, beat me up every day. I would never fight back. She threatened to rub dog poop in my face so that my dad could never find me. And because that's what I was made of, she said she was going to color my eyeballs black. So at night, nobody could see all these things. And I could feel as this was going on, I told teachers and nothing ever really happened. Um, it wasn't until she pushed me and tried to cut my hair that I actually retaliated. Ended up getting in a massive fight, and I don't think she realized that I had been in martial arts from the age of six. So the rule in our house was you never lay your hands on another person unless you're in the ring. Well, I wasn't in the ring, but I stood up for myself. And when I went home that night and uh, the teacher had written a note and they'd called home, I expected my dad to scream at me. And he looked me in the face and he's like, good. And I was kind of like, wait, I'm not supposed to be fighting. Is that good? And he said, there's going to come a time when you have to fight. Maybe not with your arms and not with your uh, fists and everything, but you have to fight for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. And as a kid, I was like, but I, I want you to fight for me. And he said, no, I don't have to. You can do it. And it took me years to understand that he was actually like empowering me. He was pushing me forward to be my own savior, my own guardian kind of thing. But I didn't see it like that at the time. Right. So, so I, I got to jump in here, though. How yeah. old were you when you had this altercation with the girl? I believe I would have been eight, but it started way earlier, like from kindergarten until grade six is when it stopped. But this was in grade three when I had that kind of realization. Um, you know, I thank you for sharing that story. And my heart is breaking for you. And to be honest, for all of us, I thought it was really interesting how you said, I didn't realize I was black until it was pointed out to me, basically. And I can relate to that. I'm from Jamaica. And I didn't realize I was different until I moved to Canada and people pointed and they labeled me. Exactly. And they didn't actually, I don't recall that they labored me, labeled me as a black girl, but they just pointed and said, whatever it was, they said it was a label and I felt different. And it's, I mean, we live in a different world today, but um, how could that not have a profound effect on you? Definitely. So, so much that goes into being black as well, that if you don't grow up around it, you just don't recognize that you're special. You're a badass as well, right? So what I'm hearing though is out of necessity, many of us have to be even extra badass because we have extra challenges thrown at us, like labels, like gaslighting, like bullying. Um, I love that your father from an early age said, I can't do everything for you. Exactly. And I think that's very, very powerful. How does your dad today feel about his badass girl? I'm curious. I think that he loves that I'm very badass, very upfront. I know at times he'd probably rather I was a little quieter and maybe didn't put myself out there as much and talk so much. But I think he's very proud of the woman that he's raised. Um, 
I think you could probably understand this as well. You're always told to kind of hide, like keep your mouth shut. Don't make yourself obvious. Don't draw attention to yourself, especially being the only black person. You don't want all eyes to be on you as a child or as a teen when you're doing stuff that maybe you shouldn't be doing, but you're just following along with your friends. So I would say today he's looking back and he's like, you did good compared to what you could have done. If I was the way I am today with the way I stand up and I really fight for what I want, I don't know that uh, the teen years would have been as great because he would definitely have had to be more involved. But now he's seeing like, there's a reason why he empowered me as a female and as a black female. So with my daughter now, I know that he sees the way the world is going and he wants my daughter to be pretty much exactly the way I am. He won't say it like that, but that's what he wants. <laughs> oh, beautiful. We'll talk about family a little bit later, but um, talk to us a little bit about your life-changing moment on the beach, because yes. that's a great story. I know it from before, but I know that our listeners will enjoy hearing it. So take us back to that moment. Definitely. Just to bring you up to that moment. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was 13. I had major depression, major depressive disorder. I had anxiety, just everything from being bullied and having things happen uh, at a young age. In high school, I was sexually assaulted and obviously not having my dad as around because around as much as I wanted him to, he was traveling for work most of my life. I didn't have a good relationship with my mother I was constantly sleeping at other people's homes and just trying to figure out where I belonged. So by the time I hit, I'm going to say 22 after university, I had had a lot happen. So all the things I just mentioned, being in university, my best friend, uh, unfortunately commit suicide, um, had to work three jobs to put my through way through school, still supporting my siblings, just a lot on my shoulders. And I did an experiment that I will say you shouldn't really do, where I didn't reach out to anyone for a couple of weeks. I wanted to see who was going to reach out to me because I was always the person that people would come to for support. So if they had somebody or something happened in their life and they needed to talk about it, they would always come to me as their therapist kind of thing. Uh, I was constantly checking up on people that I worried about. And that's one of my badass powers, I like to say. But not having someone reach out to me to say, hey, Kim, how are you? It played a game in my head when I was at my lowest and I ended up sitting on a beach. It had literally been a month since I spoke to anybody. Nobody had reached out. I felt very alone. And I was sitting on the beach really down with my cat, Psycho. And it hit me that I didn't have to be sitting like this. I could walk out into the water and just disappear in my head at the time, nobody would ever notice. Who would care? Like, I'm nobody, right? So I literally was sitting there, I stood up, and I went to take a step, and my cat scratched my ankle. Her name's Psycho for a reason, like she is Psycho, but her and I have been through everything together. When I lived out of a van, she lived with me out of the van. She's been through everything, and she's the person I always spoke to. So I say she's my soulmate. And so when she scratched me, I kind of looked at her and was like, go away. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm done. And then she bit me. And it was almost like as if to say, are you kidding? Are you really going to leave me behind? So I sat back down and I looked at her and it was this crazy moment where we're just staring at each other. But you know, when you hit that moment, when you stare at someone and they're reflecting back to you, all the 
amazingness and all the goodness and just everything you need to hear. So I ended up in tears and I was like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? I'm trying to live this life that isn't me. I'm trying to be friends with these people who don't really like me. They just like the fact that I'll listen. I'm trying to work jobs that I don't care about. Like, who am I? So that was the start of my path where I truly worked hard to figure out who the hell I was and why I was here on this earth. And I'll say from that moment, I don't think a day has gone by when I haven't checked in and been like, you're a badass. Put every little negative thought you have away. You have a purpose and you have a job to do. So go and do that job. And it's worked out well. But without Psycho, who is my, who was, sorry, she passed away two years ago, who was my best friend. She just, she taught me more than I would say anyone's ever taught me about being a badass and about bringing myself up and raising myself up. Okay. I have the shiver on that story and I have heard it before. So many things about that story that I love. So thank you for sharing it with us. Of course. It highlights, you know, there's, there's lots of memes. The internet is full of memes about cats, mm-hmm. dogs, mostly golden retrievers. That's what I watch because I had two golden retrievers. I also have a cat, but what's so beautiful about all the cat memes and the running theme of the cat meme is don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. They don't need you. They are com- they are fully aware of how great they are and how beautiful they are and how amazing they are. And I love that Psycho was able to mirror that back to you in that moment and that you were willing to see, right? Because so many of us are not willing to see the beauty that we bring to the world for lots of different reasons. And this isn't this isn't about shaming. This is about the honest conversation that when we are down, it can be really challenging to see that, right? I'm different. I'm not doing what everybody thinks I should do. I want to know, though, I'm curious, these friends that you realized you didn't actually like that much, or they only liked you for one aspect, are you still friends with any of them? Are they still in your life? Are they long gone? They're long gone, and there's nothing wrong with them. It's more that they're in their world and I was on the outskirts I was only need when I when needed kind of thing and that was an interesting thing that I realized was I don't need need friends I want people in my life and as soon as I recognized the kind of people I wanted that's when those people started coming so I say I have my handful and that's three people I can turn to no matter what and then I have my other handful which is people like you who I know see the greatness in me and I connect with on the same level I don't need to be there for everybody I don't need to be liked by everybody because there's billions of people in the world I'd say half of them aren't going to like me because of who I am and that's okay I have to be okay with who I am and that's the most important thing and it goes from there. And that actually, I mean, that is the basis of being badass. It's not about how much money you make, how how good you look, you know, what, what you do for a living or who you're married to. It really is acknowledging that you're awesome just the way that you are. Exactly. And you don't have to change for anybody. And that it's okay to speak your truth. It's okay to say, mm, that doesn't work for me. Or, wow, I would love it if you did this. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It's so, so powerful. It's just unfortunate that so many of us still to this day struggle with wanting to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I you know, it's easy for us to blame social media, but guys, this was happening long before Facebook, okay? So stop blaming social media for it in its entirety. We are 
we're, we've been born into a society that has challenges and problems and it becomes generational. And so I love that so many of us are having these conversations today. I love that so many of us are looking for help and getting coaching and therapy and understanding and that we're having the conversations. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, we would never have had this conversation. It would have been, oh, hi, what do you do? Oh, that's not, nice to meet you. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's what you do for a living. Oh, cool. That's what, you know, I do this for a living. And it would be very surface, I think. Um, I just love how open we are today to talking about the things that matter. And that's why, you know, that's why we're having this conversation. Okay, so you grew up in a small town in Milton. You struggled, bullied, gaslighted, had some real challenges. You graduated from school. You do this experiment, you come out of it ahead with your cat in your arms, recognizing that you can make a difference in your world. When did you start this business, Retroscripts? I believe I'm going into my eighth year now. So eight years ago, I was working at a hospice and I was working um, at a physiotherapy clinic as a receptionist. Great places to work. Don't get me wrong. But while I was doing the reception work, I was sitting there and I realized I this is not what I want to do. I went to school with my English English language and literature degree. I got my postgraduate in journalism, yet I was being a secretary. And that's not who I, I know I am. I'm the person who wants to travel the world. When I said I wanted to write for National Geographic, I wanted to go to third world countries. I wanted to write about the truth of what I was seeing, not the stuff that we are told here. Um, unfortunately, I was told that was not a good idea as a female and as the female who would definitely help in certain situations. They said, you won't live very long. So I kind of pivoted and I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I do while I'm here? Working at the hospice, um, I'll never forget. I had a uh, one resident who I was helping. She was having a difficult death. And it was because she was holding so much in. So you and I and everybody in the world, we have these stories that we need to tell. We're building stories as we build memories. Yet when we die, that all goes with us. And that is actually literally something I think about every day, how every moment, no one's going to know about it. I can't share this beauty. So with this resident who was passing away, I scribbled down on a night shift on a piece of paper as much information as she could give me. And I gave it back to her. I couldn't do anything with it because it's confidential. I only did it so that she could release what was inside. She gave it to her, I think it was 12-year-old daughter who was going to miss out on so many memories. And it changed things. Instead of having this difficult kind of angst-ridden death, she had this beautiful moment where she gave the daughter the book and the daughter could read about her mom burning her bra, her mom dancing on top of a uh, bar at the local pub. She wrote all this stuff about her, about her life and her daughter could like connect and her daughter found kind of wisdom and love within that story. So then it kind of got me thinking, how can I blend my want to travel the world and write the truth with telling people's stories and really connecting people in my life and around the world together. So that's when Retroscripts was born. Um, it started out as just memoirs and legacy writing. But then I realized as business owners, we're trying to tell a story. We're trying to showcase a part of ourselves. And if I can help people do that, then yeah, this is amazing. So now eight years later, it's blown up into something 
I never thought it would when I first started, but it keeps being about people, 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 who we are in the inside, the true who we are. And when I say true, I don't mean all the good, the great, the positive, because life isn't just that. There's so many negatives. So I always say when I'm working on Retroscripts Creates, doing my courses, being a badass isn't just going out there and fighting the world. It's not going out there and just being a great, happy person who gives and gives. It's about honoring who you truly are. So if on the inside, you're a person who is a little harder, you're gruff, you're rough, then you look for your badass power within that. Don't change yourself because it's not possible. Um, in saying this, I think about my wife, actually, because she is very, she puts herself first. She knows what she wants and she goes for it. At first, I was like, you're an asshole. Like, <laughs> like how, like, how, how do you function like this? Now I see she has boundaries. Nobody messes with her and she's happy because of those boundaries and they're necessary. I wish mine were stronger like hers, but I'm working on it. But don't change who you are. It's about finding out who you are and then working to that. There's going to be people out there that are going to be your people no matter what. Um, I did have someone the other day, a male uh, in a cancer group that I was um, teaching a course at say, well, if I'm an asshole, who wants to be around me? And I'm like, me. And he said, why would you want to be around that? And I'm like, I love your honesty. I love your authenticity. You are who you are. And when you put it out there, I think you're a great person. And he was kind of taken aback because I guess too many people had told him, don't be like that. Don't be like that. And he tried his whole life to change. And you could almost see him oh, drop his shoulder. Oh, I can just be. And he's a great guy. Yeah, he's rough. He's gruff. He's kind of grouchy, but it's magical when he opens up and speaks. So Think of how much we're hiding by holding back and trying to fit into these roles and these boxes. Fuck boxes. I'm sorry. No, I can't do them. What a great story. And what a beautiful way to, to reframe what's typically considered bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And you know, all I could think of when you were telling the story was how many times with my children, I allowed them to be, to have the tantrum or to be miserable or to be overtired without scolding them. And then it's like, oh, I'm getting permission to just feel the way I'm feeling. Well, thanks. I feel okay now. I feel better now. And it's so cool. We forget about that. Um, that's actually really, that's super cool. I love that story. I also love that you started with legacy writing because years ago, um, I had an idea to write, do the exact same thing. Now, I never acted on it. I would have been in my 20s. So 30 years ago, I thought, oh, maybe I could make a living writing people's stories that are older and I never took any, did anything with it. So I love that you did and have done. I actually have another friend who is a death doula that comes into play a little bit in helping her clients create a legacy book or legacy story, if that's what they want. Um, and by the way, people, you may not know this, but I was on her podcast two years ago and then I hired her to be my writing coach. So she has been instrumental in supporting me as a new writer and I've loved every second that we have spent together and the the support and the mentorship that she's given me has been amazing. So if anybody out there is interested in that, please check the show notes because I will include all the different ways that you can connect with Kimberly. I'm curious though, you have a four-year-old daughter who is just absolutely adorable. What is one thing, well, or five, but we'll start with one. What's something that she's taught you that came as a surprise? 
one thing, there's so many things that she's taught me. And the biggest thing right now is to just be in the moment. And I'm very much an in the moment person, but I'm a planner. Like, you know, Mahara, I like planning my days and nothing's been working out lately. For the whole summer, I'll plan this day of what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on my business. I'm going to do this. And it all goes to crap. And I at first was getting really upset. Like I have things to do. I, and she said, but mommy, look. And we look out the window and it's raining. I'm like, yeah, it's raining. So I'm going to work. And she's like, no, we should go outside. So then I started listening to her. And whenever she said we were going to do something, I just did it. So we're going to go slide in the mud. Yep, let's go slide in the mud. I don't care about the laundry or anything. Oh, you want to go just stare at the clouds? Okay, we're going to go stare at the clouds. And I realized I'm still getting everything done that I want to get uh, accomplish, but I'm so much more relaxed. She's teaching me to just slow down. And one of the biggest thing I've always said to people is um, I don't fit into society. I don't think half of us fit into the society that we live in at all. But the rules that were put there were a put be were a put there years and years ago by people that aren't living the same way that we're living right now. And nobody said I had to follow all the rules. Nobody said that I have to work nine o'clock to five o'clock and then I have to come home and make dinner and then I have to da, 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 da. So I rewrote all of our family rules. So our rules fit us. As long as we're following those, I'm happy. Might get us into trouble along the way. That's fine. I'll deal with that. But I'm following our rules. And half of them Freya has actually written herself because they just make sense. Um, it's really cool. Another thing. Sorry, go ahead. That's amazing. Thank I you. Your own family rules. Sorry, I interrupted, but no, so cool. And I love that you are allowing your daughter to teach you things. That is such a gift. It's okay. important. Yeah. Okay. Go. Well, the other thing is the feeling, the feelings, like we spoke about earlier. I'm a very emotional person. I can hide it quite well, as I had to do with the hospice, because you weren't bringing your own emotions and everything in. So you kind of had to suppress them. But I am that big emotion person. When I'm happy, I'm happy. When I'm angry, I am angry. And when I'm sad, I'm sad. So I know my emotions are big, but I used to suppress it. No, you can't cry, Kim. No, if you're angry, no, people are going to look at you. You don't want to be seen that way. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, a three-year-old doesn't know how to hide that stuff when she's happy holy crap the whole house is happy when she's mad you're going to hear her from down the street and I realized after she gets mad and she throws this massive temper tantrum she's just like a ball of sunshine I'm like you were just melting down why are you so happy and it's because she released whatever was going on inside her she she does not regulate. Half us adults don't know how to regulate properly, but she just let out everything she needed to let out. And then she was happy again. So now when I'm angry, like really angry, I let it out. I'm out in the backyard smashing plates or screaming and it feels amazing. And it's shocking that we as adults don't do this more often. I think we should. Um, I was thinking about a workshop, actually, of what I could do where we can destroy things and just let out our feelings. But it's important because as we hold it in, it's more energy to hold on to all that negativity than just to let it out. When I'm happy, I've gotten in the habit of actually messaging people and being like, you know what, Mahara, I love you. You're pretty friggin awesome. And you can see people kind of, oh, that's weird. I don't know how to take this. 
but I'm like, we're so not used to hearing that stuff. But if, if that's what I'm feeling, you're going to feel it too. I'm going to put it out there. And that all stems from her telling me every day, mommy, you're awesome. Mommy, I love you. Or I'll be wearing the ugliest t-shirt. Mommy, I love that t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, you, you really make me feel good. And I'm like, wait, I could do that to everybody every day. And it's not that much work. Why not put that out there, right? So there's all these little experiments I've been experimenting with lately. And it's pretty magical. I love it. Not only are you badass, but so is your daughter. And it sounds like your wife is badass too. Um, I, I really want to just go back to this idea because I've talked about it in other episodes. The body holds everything. So what I heard you say was somatically, if I'm feeling like shit, I want to deal with it and acknowledge it. If I'm feeling so badly that there's so much bottled up emotion, I will release it. And that's such, such a smart move because for those of you that are new to the world of somatics, you know when you're feeling awful, when you dampen it down and ignore it or pretend it's not there. And this happens a lot when we try to fit in, when we try to be something we're not. It just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where you sit on a beach with your cat wondering if anybody will miss you when you're gone. So if you're feeling it, feel it. Good, the bad, the ugly, because the emotions don't make you good, bad, or ugly. They're just emotions. It's relationship with it that determines how it plays out. So you can change your relationship by just being it and acknowledging, I feel like a bitch today. <clears throat> yeah, that wasn't very nice what I said to myself, maybe, or to someone else. But that doesn't make you a bad person. So a little bit of a sidetrack there, but I love that you brought in this idea of somatics and releasing the energy. Because when all is said and done, folks, we are all made up of energy. And when we have... I was going to say the balls, but I'm going to say when we have the vagina, mm -hmm. our behavior and our energy and the fact and our choices, then we are that much closer to being the badass that we are, are meant to be. So don't hesitate to question, sit down, be quiet, break the rules, make new rules, laugh, love, sing, dance, jump on a podcast, all of these crazy things that you can do to express it. How can our listeners connect with you? What's the best way? Okay. The best way is if you want to talk to me in private, email. Message me an email. But on Instagram, I'm having a lot of fun with Instagram, sharing things that I'm going through and how I'm dealing with them. And I say dealing because I'm flowing through it. I'm experimenting. I'm just feeling things out. I just started going through menopause and I've never heard anyone talk about menopause openly before. So now I'm like, no, I'm going to be that person. And I'm going to talk about all of it, all of the messiness that is magical messiness that is menopause. Because as a female, it's something we're supposed to be quiet about and just deal with on our own. There are things I never knew were going to happen happening and nobody warned me. So now I want to be that person that just feels it. Um, we were just talking about emotions and somatics and feeling into what's going on. I didn't know that I could flip from being emotionally crying my eyes out to just rage filled. And my doctor said, oh yeah, it's normal. It's menopause. And I was like, this cannot be normal. So now it's like sitting with it, getting to know who Kimberly is now that things are changing. And we all change year by year. You have to go back and get to know yourself every year. Who are you this year? What do you like this year? What are you feeling this year? 
this week, this day, whatever it is, get to know yourself. So if you go on my Instagram page, you're going to see my face quite a bit now moving forward, just sharing all this information, sharing all these life stories and tips that I've picked up. Um, I, as you said, I have a podcast that I'm actually looking for people to come on and share their story, whatever it is. I would love if people reached out to me about that. But those are the two main ways I'd say. Wonderful. Well, I will be putting that information in the show notes. And can I just say what a delight it is to, to hear you talk about the questions that you have about menopause, because I'm in the same boat. I am a little bit older than you. And I didn't even think I was missing out because to your point, nobody talks about it. It's not like I didn't show up for the class. We have, we are in a society that only now, and it's 2023 are women beginning to talk about this stage of our lives. And it is so, I'm, I don't want to go down that road, but it is so disappointing and obnoxious that, but it's an example of the patriarchal society that we live in, but we are changing that. We're working to change that. What's the biggest thing that makes you excited about this phase of life that you're in? If there is one at this point, uh, there may not be, but I'm just curious. Oh, there is. I don't know if I, I call it the shift. I went from like, you know, the maiden mother crone. I was the mother. I was giving, giving. I wanted to see people thrive. Now that I'm the crone, I'm in the I don't give a fuck phase. I'm going to do what I'm doing and I'm going to enjoy it. And I don't, it's like a shift. I don't feel bad about a lot of the things that I would normally question. I want to wear this shirt out without a bra on. You're going to see a little nips today and that's all there is to it. I want to go and do this. It's going to happen. Um, there's almost like this... I'm more centered. I am feeling grounded and I'm loving myself. Whereas if someone got mad at me in the past, I would spend days agonizing. Are they mad at me? What did I do? Da, 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 da. No, I'm like, they are big boys and big girls. If there is something wrong, they can come and talk to me. Otherwise, it doesn't get any energy or space in my brain. And I don't know. I, I'm calling it the shift like with menopause. That's what's brought this on. But it's truly cool. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, cool. It's funny you bring up that bit about going braless because I've, I'm kind of that way too. And it's summer time now. And I often go for a walk with the dogs and I, I, I'm not wearing a bra. And I confess, I still go, oh, I'm not sure. And then I'm like, wait a second. Right? Wait a minute. Guys have nipples too. Yep. My boobs aren't that big. They're not flapping all over the place. I'm just, you know, quietly walking down the street. Well, sometimes not so much with the golden retrievers, but still, I still have that that minute of, ooh, maybe I should wear a little top, you know, maybe I should put a little jacket on. But it's not as bad as it used to be when I was younger. So I agree. There is a sense of freedom. I mean, I'm totally struggling with the hormones and the hot flashes and, you know, my weight's all over the place all of that stuff. But the flip side of that is to your point, I do feel that I really am comfortable in my skin. And it's one of the reasons why I feel badass. Right? I am not my body. I'm not my weight. I'm not my dress size. I'm not my slightly off center boobs. I'm not in. I'm, you know, I'm so much more than that. And that has taken, you know, 58 years for 57 years for me to get to that place. And I do think that the hormonal change has definitely added to that and has it's been a, a good part of that journey. So, oh my goodness, we've gone all over the place today and I love it. We started with growing up black in Milton. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a Broadway show. 
to the growing up black in Canada to the epiphany of figuring out who you are in your darkest moment and what you need to be you. And then fast forward a few years to creating this beautiful business that really feeds your soul and is an allow is allowing you to share your greatness and your goodness with the world. I, for one, I'm so pleased that we've connected and that you are now in my circle because you are the boss at what you do. Thank you. Are the boss. <laughs> and we've also touched on this beautiful thing called menopause that if you're not there yet, just wait because you're not going to escape it. No, it comes. <laughs> what's your What's your number one advice? I mean, you've given us lots of tips on why you're badass, but for our listeners out there today that perhaps have never used the word badass or have only ever thought of it as being a bad thing. Um, what's something that you do regularly that's really simple? What's a tip that you can share with our audience to help them feel a little bit, even just a little bit of what you feel? A little bit of what I feel. It goes back to the feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That's what I want to say. Think about it this way. And someone explained to me when I was whining in the past, but nobody likes me, but I want to do this, but people are going to judge me. She said, Kim, nobody cares about you. And at first I was like, oh my God, that hurt. That was so vicious. And she's like, no, nobody cares about you. So do it anyways. Everybody is so wrapped up in their own world with their business, their families, their kids, their this, their that. Literally, if you're in their on their mind, you're going to be on their mind for five minutes and then they're on to the next thing. So you may as well do whatever it is that you want to do because nobody's going to care except for you. And so when I thought about that, I was like, you know what? You're right. And I started experimenting. I'm going to go out without a bra on and just a top. Yeah, I got a few looks, but I'm sure I was on their mind for two seconds and there's not a lot there to see anyway. So it was done with. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch this program. I launched it. People attended. Nobody said anything negative. And I was just kind of like, okay, this is awesome. So now whenever I'm nervous or afraid to do something, nobody fucking cares. Nobody cares. There's billions of people in the world and like maybe 20 are going to see it actually what you're doing. So just do it anyways. Be you. So yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because that idea plays into what I do for a living, my other job, which is a coach. Because I found in my own growth, and I learned this from my dad, and my, my clients experience a lot, is this understanding that mm, this isn't about you. When, when we talk about issues that we have or experiences, when you can look at it from another lens, you realize that, wow, this isn't about me. It's only about you if you make it about you. Exactly. Even when you're having an argument with someone, guess what? Chances are it's not about you could be a misunderstanding um and we're not going to go down that path but i love that advice for people is folks remember it ain't about you it ain't it really isn't about you be you do you and love you because you are amazing okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be motivating anymore i just want to say kimberly thank you so much i've really loved chatting with you you are an amazing coach you're an amazing writer and you're a beautiful friend Folks, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check the show notes to, to get in contact with Kimberly. Check out her Instagram page because what she has to say is pure gold. I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.